Hello, I'm Tim McLaughlin, and this is a Maywa podcast. In this episode, we present excerpts from the lecture Masters of the Art, the Country Block Printers of Tabadka and Adrakpur. The lecture was recorded live at the Maywa Textile Symposium on October 19th, 2007. Razak and Ismail are countries, a hereditary community of dyers and printers who live and work in the desert district of Kutch in Gujarat, India. They are joined by researcher Elinant Edwards, who has lived, worked, and collaborated with them for many years. Azraq has become the signature cloth of the countries. It is a cotton textile traditionally dyed with indigo and madder and printed on both sides with complex geometric and floral patterns using hand-carved wooden blocks. There are between 14 and 16 individual stages of preparation, printing, and dyeing. The process can take 15 to 21 days to complete. Join us now for Masters of the Art. Okay, we'll launch in. Um, well, I'm going to introduce myself and the country. So I'm Elinid Edwards. I'm Senior Research Fellow at the Victoria and Albert Museum, also working with London College of Fashion, which is part of University of the Arts London. Um, and Charlotte's asked me to collaborate with Ishmael and Razak on this paper because uh, we've been working together now for... Mm, about 16 or 17 years so there's a familiarity in the material and we presented together before so I'll move swiftly on to introduce the two stars of the show Razak Abdul Razak and Ishmael Mohammed Khatri are from the small village of Damaka in the desert district of Kutch in western India where India borders Pakistan. Um, Buj here is the district capital, and Damadka is about mm, 50, is it 55 kilometres to the east. Ishmael now resides um, in a new, newly created village called Ashrakpur, which again is on this um, eastern road out of Buj towards Damadka, um, and the new village uh, which was created after the earthquake of 2001 is Ashrakpur, and it's a country only community um, named in honour of the signature fabric of the community, Ashrak. The um, Khatri community are an hereditary caste of dyers and printers in Gujarat, and Ishmael and Razak are the ninth generation of the same family to live and work in Damaka as block printers and, and dyers. They're the sons of Mohammed Sadiq, um, a, major, a major figure in Indian craft in the post-independence um, years. In a way, this presentation is dedicated to his, his memory. Um, the family has been producing fabric printed with wooden blocks using natural dyes for about uh, sorry, 400 years. They and their younger brother, Abdul Jabba, learned the craft from their father, the late Muhammad Sadiq, just as they are now passing their knowledge on to their own sons. Muhammad Sadiq endowed his family, Kutch and Gujarat, and I'd add India to that actually, with a great legacy. His contribution to Indian craft was recognised by the government of India in 1981 when he was given a National Crafts Award which is one of the highest honours to be bestowed on a craftsman. More recently, uh, Razak uh, and his younger brother, Jabba, have also gained this award. And Ismail was awarded 
an honorary doctorate by De Montfort University in the UK in 2003, and he received the UNESCO Seal of Excellence for his work last year. International recognition... Uh, international recognition of all three brothers' work has meant that they regularly exhibit their textiles and demonstrate their craft nationally and internationally. We're privileged to have Razak and Ishmael here tonight to share their, ex uh, their experiences and their expertise. They are genuine masters of the art of block printing. Right, I'm going to hand over to Ismail. Oh, is it Ismail or Razak for this section? They're going to tell you a bit about the family history. <coughs> Hello. I am uh, Abdul Razak Khatri. We, we came to Kutch from Sindh about 400 years ago at the invitation of Balmalji, who ruled the district from 1586 to 1631. When we lived in Sindh, our family worked also block printing. In Kutch, the Rao gave a gift of uh, land and uh, we were free to choose where we want, wanted to build our home. We also paid no tax. My family belonged to the Dada subcaste, and uh, my ancestor uh, Jinda Jiva chose the side of the Marka because the river Saran ran through it a good supply. It. A good supply of running water is necessary for uh, different stages of dyeing and washing cloth. Our customers included the royal court and Maldaris, the hardest farmer of Kutch. When we came to Kutch, we were Hindus, but we converted to Islam in the time of Rao Raidranji, who was the ruler between 1666 and 1698. As Hindus, we had to give a lot of money and gifts gift us to the Bart who recorded all the births, marriage, marriages and death for our caste. Uh, this gift became so great that we could not accord, afford to pay them. If the names of uh, our sons and uh, daughters were not recorded in the books of family lineage then arranging a marriage became very difficult. At uh, that time, there were sufficient in Kutch who explained about Islam. Our people liked the Muslim religion, so we expected, expected Islam. My brothers Ismail and Abdul Jabbar and I are the ninth generation of Khatri printers and dyers at Damarka. Our children are now following us. Um, um, at the approximate time of the Khatri's migration to Kutch, India was still made up of uh, hundreds of small princely states, and much of northern India was under the dominion of the Mughal Empire. 
During the late 16th and early 17th century, Kutch was ruled by Raoul Barmal I, who was on the throne 1586 to 1631, a Hindu prince of the Jadeja Rajput clan. He invited craftsmen from Sindh to move to the district in order to serve the growing needs of the court and the local populace. He also did much to develop the growth of Kutch's overseas trade, in which textiles played a significant role. Kutch was already renowned as a centre for block prints, tie-dyes, embroideries and worked leather, and contributed to the reputation of Gujarat as a source of high-quality crafts and textiles. Um, and uh, Marco Polo, the Venetian traveller, commented favourably on the quality of the work of embroidery on leather during his visit to Gujarat in the late 13th century. Uh, the British East India Company and also the Dutch um, East India Company, Vok, established, uh, which uh, the British one was established in 1600, had its um, headquarters and factory at Surat in South Gujarat, which attracted craftsmen, merchants, um, and entrepreneurs from all over northwest India. So the Kutri printers were part of a more general movement of craftsmen that included potters, carpenters, blacksmiths, um, and they were the economic migrants of the day. Beyond the promise of royal patronage, other incentives included gifts of land in order to encourage them to make their homes and workshops in Kutch and tax concessions to facilitate establishing their businesses. There was already a thriving market for their goods and services in the district, supplying the local court and the multitude of herding and farming communities. Maritime trade with the Gulf countries and beyond was also established, offering further opportunities for business in Kutch. As previously mentioned at the time, Kutch came under the rule of the Mughal Empire and the period was marked by favourable relations um, that had been established by Rabalmal I and the Emperor Jahangir. They'd met at Ahmedabad in 1617, and I think uh, Barmal had given Kutchi horses to um, Jahangir, who'd been suitably impressed by the horse flesh. And uh, as a result, the Rao was given the unusual right uh, to establish his own mint. And the Kutchi currency, which was known as the Kori, prevailed from that time until 1948, so shortly after independence. Um, I'm just going to quote Rushbrook Williams, who's uh, a long-standing historian of the area. And he commented on this as the crowning favour of the emperor to the Rao was the total and permanent remission of all tribute from Kutch in return for the Rao's promise to give pilgrims to Mecca free passage in, in Kutchy ships. The period of relative calm and stability allowed the Kutchies and other craftsmen to settle in the district and establish trading relations with the communities who became their local customers. They supplied the local herders and farmers with the fabrics used for key items of caste dress. And I'm just going to ask Ishmael and Razak to take over and talk about the traditional trade with the Maldaris and the farmers. I'm Ismail Katri. I am uh, going to identify some of the communities and uh, describe the range of the item made for them. Sabari wearing turban, that is the block printing rumal for the men. Rabari women are wearing plain maroon cotton cloth for blouse. 
and they are wearing tie and dye veil clothed dyed madder and lakh this is the khatri women are making tie and dye on the woolen veil cloth for the rabari this is the ready piece and they are uh, rabari women are doing uh, embroidery on the veil cloth and she is wearing rabari women khatri women are tying design of the rabari veil cloth many other communities are also wearing our dyed cloth the muslim maldari cattle herders is node mutwa hingorja sameja sumra three type of jat one is pakirani jat daneta jat garasiya jat and halepotra community nurepotra musepotra raisiputra raisi sama baloch khaskeli korar harijan from banni they are community wearing our cloth the muslim maldari women are wearing veil cloth they are printed and also tie and dyed that is known as matheran chunni or bagida and some also design different different name the dyed with orange dot and maroon and black colors with veil cloth they are maroon design and black colors printed uh, veil cloth they also maroon design and black colors this one is a farmer farmer lady and they are wearing sadlo and they are also making our family women also wear skirt we call pado that is jimardi hydro limai saido damburo badsa pasand katari bilko kolipati and the karo bandhnu they were tie and dye making tie and dye and uh, dyed with the black color that uh, calling karo bandhnu and rato bandhnu rato means red color and tie and dye making design limai uh, limai that name one name of the skirt and they are wearing widow lady and also printed them for some of the marriage time that are called uh, sirak sword in the sirak bed quilt and pillow each communities each is identity on the his dresses the traditional trade continued largely undisturbed until the mid 20th century after independence in 1947 india embraced um, a policy of aggressive industrialization the target uh, sorry that targeted all areas of manufacture and production by the 1970s india's early technological revolution was bearing fruit in terms of textiles synthetic dyes had largely replaced the use of natural dyes and synthetic fabrics um, such as polyester were becoming wild, widely available eventually penetrating the remoteness of kutch and it was this that um, threatened the country's business synthetic fabrics gradually replaced the traditional block prints tie dyes weaves and embroideries Ezat's versions of uh, traditional items were popular with and are popular with the local people um who found them to be brighter, longer lasting, easier to maintain because they dry more quickly and significantly cheaper than the traditional handmade fabrics. That's that's where the traditional market declines or changes. Gandhi's dream of an independent India built on a craft-based economy remained just that a dream 
Um, nonetheless, craft remains part of the national psyche. And it was recognised at national level as early as the 1950s by key figures in the Indian craft revival move, uh, movement, uh, like Kamala Devi Chattopadhyay. So if you, know, you have any interest in that, that's a key name to um, look up. Recognised that craft was in jeopardy. Um, however, it was not until the 1970s that state craft organisations started to emerge from bureaucratic angst. Um, again, I'm going to hand over to Ishmael and Razak to talk about the revival of block printing and the use of natural dyes. In my family, we also used chemical colour. But my father, Muhammad Siddiq, did not want the knowledge of natural dyes to the disappear. He started using them again in 1971 and passed that skill on to my brother and I. Since that day, my family has specialized in printing and dyeing cloth with color made from plant and mineral. Since we started using natural color again in the 1970, there has been a lot of interest from all over the world. Now our traditional customers are using synthetic ajrak and the local market for our cloth is well, our cloth is less. But our business with customers from other areas of India and other countries has grown. It is now about 80% of our total business is here. I just want to pick up on state intervention in craft at this point. In the early 1970s, the Gujarat State Handicrafts Development Corporation and its retail wing, Gujari, were established. The aim of the uh, handicraft organisation was to restore the viability of Gujarati craft by creating a sustainable market in the modernising independent state. At about the same time, Another key institution was founded in, Guj uh, in Ahmedabad, also in Gujarat, the National Institute of Design, which is commonly known as NID. Um, that was the first modern school of design to be set up on Indian soil. Designers were recruited from NID to work with the Handicraft Development Corporation staff and artisans, most of whom were from rural areas of Gujarat. Muhammad Sadiq was one of the pioneering craftsmen who took a chance and moved his production from the familiar but declining traditional market into the then unknown territory of new products aimed at the urban Indian market. The NID designers and the Handicraft Development Corporation staff visited the rural workshops and spent time with the craftspeople developing products that reflected the ancient roots of traditional practice, but were contemporary in usage and appearance. Um, in the case of Mohammed Sadiq, there was no looking back. Um, and if Ishmael and Razak could talk to you about the new products that were developed at that time. I am uh, going to describe some of the products that my father, Mohammed Bai, developed with uh, NID and Gujarat Estate Handicraft Development Corporation and how tradition items like Ajrak were adapted for new product. 
ajrak was uh, printed as a single piece of fabric rather than in two parts so that uh, it could be used for double and single bed sheet and also table cloth more recently we have developed many traditional cloth for yardage scarf so printed uh, designs such as uh, malir and jimardi are made as yardage for fashion fabric and soft furnishing the new products were retailed through gujri uh, in the 1970s the shop was situated on ashram road in the heart of amdabad the business capital of gujarat the goods were also sold through exhibition come sales throughout india organized by the crafts council of india the exhibitions presented the crafts people with the opportunity to meet their customers exchanges that proved to be important in the refinement and expansion of product ranges and also built business contacts practical demonstrations became a popular part of the round of, ex- of exhibitions the prestige venue being the national crafts museum at pragati medan in new delhi where the director dr jatindra jain was a keen supporter of traditional craft um, and he became a lifelong friend of mohammed sadiq and his sons these state interventions coincided with the rise of tourism in india which introduced many foreigners to uh, indian craft initially these customers were mostly backpackers on the hippie trail and we've got the prime example of that in jongilo here <laughs> self proclaimed hippie king <laughs> um or they were diplomatic staff from uh, the embassies and consulates of mumbai and delhi but gradually more enduring business developed between some of the crafts people and regular clients overseas and this was the case for mumbai bai the markets for his new products rapidly expanded from domestic customers to include overseas customers while good for the growth of the family company this expansion also presented some challenges and again we're going to hand over to ishmael to uh, identify some of those when uh, we change business with uh, outside of the kutch area then we have a lot of difficulty and we need to teach new customer about how we make our cloth for example when foreign customer ask for continue as are the production 12 month of the of the year this we cannot do and we have to explain about kutchi climate we have three season cold season hot season rainy season in in rainy season our work uh, no possible because the dyes are affected by weather and humidity and uh, about, about of the our work uh, takes place outside foreign customer dot uh, us about working to deadline and how this is uh, important if we want to succeed with export market another change we have to make uh, use to more plain color mix fabrics to mix and match with the heavily pattern traditional design to do this we have to adopt traditional method of production for example yellow dye used to be applied with a piece of the cloth but the result was too blotchy for a foreign customer who want a more even color we also had to make change for 
black dye eye development spray mechanism for the yellow dye we also had to develop a big range of design so we revived some antique design for the example foster printing our foreign customer want a perfect quality 100% of the time otherwise they will reject the goods so we have to learn to do the quality control we would like to work with the people who understand our craft season and culture for example maiwa salot visit our place two time each year we make sample in advance to sohar we supply salot with bed sheet table cloth cushion cover napkin scarf we give she give us encouragement to explore new ideas new ideas and the product and gave us very good support in rebuilding our business after the earthquake in 2001 and also in the according to the market there are some color combination some design and quality control also um i'm just going to talk a little bit about the impact that these changes uh, in the market have had on traditional practice clearly one of the benefits of the changed pattern of trade uh, has been economic Razak, Ishmael and their brother Jabba enjoy a degree of financial stability that sadly remains uncommon amongst the craft people of Kutch or anywhere else in India for that matter. And I'm just going to read a comment uh, by Jaya Jetley who again is another force to be reckoned with in the craft world in India. In a book she published I think three or four years back um, she said Despite their long history and the plethora of plans and schemes evolved for them by various governments since India's independence, there may be no more than a few thousand craftspeople who are comfortably placed, both socially and economically. The rest eke out their livelihoods at bare subsistence level. The average income derived from handwork is 2000 rupees a month for an average family of 5 and as i say this this was written 4 5 years back but i don't think those statistics have changed and this at that stage that amounted to 13.5 rupees um per person per day which uh, was about 25 cents it may be pertinent to note here that in reply to a question in parliament in 1997 the ministry of home affairs stated that it cost the exchequer 48 and a half rupees um a dollar 13 cents per day to provide the basic requirements including food for a prisoner lodged in delhi's tihar jail beyond that the ch- the changes for the countries um have created opportunities for them to learn about practice in other countries and present uh, occasion is an in glowing illustration of that and also um how artisans in other areas of india work it's made them aware of environmental concerns international trading standards such as iso 9001 and 1400 um and has made them realize the antiquity of their craft to my mind they've been transformed from rural craftsmen into artisan entrepreneurs if i ask ishmael and razak how much time they now spend printing and dyeing each month and how much time they spent on these activities when they were 20 um i think it'll re- reveal a shift in the emphasis of their work so um ishmael i mean when you were 20 how many hours were you doing a day printing when i was uh, 20 or that time i am doing work about 14 hours 
and today and now we are supervision on my workshop our children is doing work they're printing and dyeing and yeah, everything yeah and how many hours printing is now i'm not printing now <laughs> <laughs> and razak bhai no <laughs> no printing no <laughs> retired so okay uh in some respects this is another aspect of their heritage as Khatri caste members of or as members of the caste as a whole um although the Khatris are known as block printers and dyers in Gujarat in the 19th century their occupation in the Punjab and Delhi uh was recorded by the British as trade and uh recently reading William Dalrymple's The Last Mughal um he comments that the Khatris in Delhi were merchants and bureaucrats so you know it's sort of in the genes craft craft development <laughs> craft development in kutch in which this family of countries have taken an active role has lately seen the emergence of designer craftsmen in 2006 one of the local non-governmental organizations the kalaraksha trust established a training school for the sons and daughters of traditional craftspeople and a few of the country boys have also studied at a privately run fashion design institute at Buj thus far no child of a traditional artisan has been admitted to the national institute of design its doors remain resolutely closed to all but the urban english speaking elite these designer craftsmen are in a minority um most artisans still learn their craft the traditional way by observing other family members in the workshop from a young age and um i think ishmael and razak are going to share their experiences of how they learned the craft of block printing and dyeing first we learning simple printing about uh, 10 year old after that uh, medium printing then difficult printing like ajrakh the learning is uh, gradual we also going with my father to selling our textile and also we selling cloth with my father we know what items our customers need uh, and uh, my father is a work is a, i i saw and uh, learning i learn by watching my father at work and uh, by helping out in the workshop if i made a mistake he would tell me no don't do that do is this way you don't do this you do this way <laughs> my training took place after school and uh, in the school holiday so actually we are uh, working together and looking and working so we have coming some idea and first starting to simply work we do and then we train at something then uh, do some heavy work and then more train at then do some more heavy work so our work need very good teach uh, stages like uh, washing stages uh, dyeing stages uh, printing stage and then marketing also the, my father is doing ferry they go there and uh, we have received much knowledge so some customer saying oh your color is not uh, fast some remove color this design is not coming very well and then uh, we uh, we have need to make a uh, good one ishmael 
There's a famous story, or famous in the Indian craft circle, about your father um, talking about the taste of the colour red. Can you expand on that a little? So whenever making the colour, if uh, you know the if you cook some uh, food and you taste that, so that uh, salt is enough or not, chili is enough or not. Never is enough. So in the our, we we make the colour. My father is a test on the thing. So that alum is enough or the less or the more, then uh, making the paste is correct and then color has come very well. You know that in the natural dye, they have a big risk until they are not ready. Whenever that's ready, then we know the coming is good or not. But that uh, we are uh, no only on the uh, watch on the eye, and the test like this, paste, and if the printing time, we look that, and we know this is coming well or not. So, example is the, on the marbleum cloth, printing alum, and we're looking back side, is, it is that is coming little bit yellow, then coming red is good, otherwise red is not come there. <laughs> and uh, we printing uh, ajrakh, that we need print with clay. So the clay we have need to make uh, much paste. If paste is uh, not much, that uh, is uh, not coming good color. Because the they protect to the area, they like alum resist and dying in indigo. So if the clay is protecting, no coming color in the area. So some item is, you know, not can read, but only looking the A, test, and then uh, do. Then uh, we have approximately idea, 75% they are coming well. Great. We've, we've been referring to the antiquity of printing and dyeing on the subcontinent without giving you a specific timeline. Um, so I'm going to fill in the gaps a bit. The oldest textile... Uh, discovered on the subcontinent was excavated at the site of Mahenjadaro in present-day Sindh in Pakistan. I think Noor Jahan will be speaking of this. Mahenjadaro was one of the main city-states of Harappan civilization, which flourished in the Indus Valley between um, 2400 and 1700 BC. The textile retrieved was a fragment of cotton that appeared to have been dyed with madder. It's it's uncertain um, for a red dye, and was, uh, this was dated to approximately 1750 BC. Details on Harappan statuary confirm that um, the Harappan were using decorated clothing. The, the Harappan de- decorated clothing probably using a range of techniques, um, but the lack of surviving textiles denies us more precise information. And as I say, this this design is still being block printed. What I should add, it's also being embroidered. It's a sort of classic embroidery design as well. The oldest group of um, block printed and dyed textiles from Gujarat that have survived um, were goods traded to Egypt between the 9th and 13th centuries. Fragments were retrieved from the site of Fustat in Old Cairo in the early 20th century. Um, And just to plug my own institution, there's a very good collection of them at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. 
Um, there's actually a larger collection at the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford and another collection uh, which is significant at the Kelsey Museum, which is part of the University of Michigan. Ishmael studied and recorded some of these fragments at the V&A and at the Ashmolean during a visit to the UK in 2002 and went on to develop an antique range based on these designs. But as I say, some of the um, designs were just in continuous production, um, suggesting a continuity of over 700 years. The Fostak fragments use the same techniques as the cutteries used for producing Azraq um, and other block prints, which include resist printing, dyeing and printing with natural dyes, using hand-carved wooden blocks. Um, and I think it seems appropriate at this point to um, hand over to Razak and Ishmael uh, to describe the process of dyeing and printing their signature cloth, which is Azraq, and they're both wearing splendid Azraq turbans, especially for the event. So, <laughs> over to you. So, this is the, we're showing you the technique of the Azraq printing. First, uh, this is the, you look at the white cloth. That uh, is the first treatment of the desizing and the cloth, traditional method. We, now we are using two kinds of the method. One is the real method and one is a modern method. So real method, the traditionally, that is a camel dung, castor oil and soda ash. The soda ash and castor oil mixing, they look a, they, they are like a making soap and mixing camel dung. And then uh, we put in dyeing in the solution and we make the bundle, uh, 10, 10, 12 pieces together and uh, keep overnight. Second day, we dry in the sun, whenever half dry, then again dyeing same solution and dry. Whenever half dry, again dyeing in the same solution. So receive his heat and that solution if we doing seven times, some are need doing to nine times, and sometimes is a need three day also in this process. Whenever coming the form, the rubbing to the cloth, and the coming the form, or that time ready to the wash. And then we wash in the plain water, and dyeing with the maribalum solution with cool water. And... Uh, we dry in the sun, plate to dry on the sun. If we want to print both sides, so whenever half dry and then we turning the cloth and uh, they need much heat. If we receive more heat, then color coming well. This is third process. This is my brother Abdul Jabbar, younger brother. He printing resist. So resist we making uh, the gum arabic and uh, wall wash lime and then that's uh, we make paste and that paste is the printing that is the one side and also both side then uh, second printing is the black color second color is the printing black black color we making in the old aryan and uh, jaggery molasses and uh, chickpea flour and water so our area and uh, when uh, summer, that is ready in the 8 or 10 day. But in winter, they need, uh, uh, we have need to keep 3 weeks. 
marabalum dyed cloth and they were putting support spot here to iron if we looking that as the better color then uh, we drainage that color if we looking here is not good color then we keep more several day so this is the black color printing here we printing little amount of the alum but without clay here printing alum red clay and millet flour and uh, we cover here with the resist because the this is will come to white and uh, alum is there that uh, coming red then after uh, dried in the sun and keep several day so color is uh, automatically go inside the cloth and we put in dyeing in indigo indigo we have available two kind of uh, one is the natural indigo one is the synthetic indigo we are using both former time we have a lot of uh, wild indigo and our parent are bringing there and making natural indigo and dyeing and also they are selling to the natural indigo but uh, the coming chemicals and uh, that uh, Uh, not available in kutch area but some plant we have the wild but we are buying natural indigo from andhra pradesh and tamil nadu south india there is some uh, farmer is uh, growing indigo and they are selling indigo so now is available then after wash this and coming this image so whenever we print resist they will come white when printing iron they like uh, look gray and when printing as the alum resist they are coming yellow color so former time uh, two is available one is all uh, all root and madder root if uh, sometime is receive all root sometime is receive the madder root but uh, when uh, was coming chemicals and they are searching first this color and they putting same name all jad means alizarin so in the gujarat junagadh side available all tree and some farmer are growing that but uh, this uh, tree he is a uh, 4 years old older until the color in the root they are more elder no color in the root so farmer is uh, growing one years second year third years and fourth years and then cutting first one and grow again and they selling this kind of the root to the seller and uh, our people buying from the seller and the color is available sometimes uh, not uh, crop uh, um, like uh, agriculture of this no available all then they are using madder root and uh, sapan wood together to coming coming more red color this is uh, dyed with the synthetic alizarin synthetic alizarin is coming and the natural alizarin is going <laughs> this is in madder root only madder root so you looking here we dye whole piece in boiling with the alizarin but whenever alum that area only catch red color not coming here red they are support also black colors because the whenever we boiling with alizarin or the madder root we putting tamrix flower powder so tamrix flower powder is the all reaction clearing if we boiling with henna then coming this color but this is the in the new modern market and then uh, if boiling with rhubarb then come this color this is rhubarb color so in our area 
the our maldaris cattle herders are wearing until more uh, some process the minakari so again printing alum resist and lime resist when we printing uh, alum resist they need much paste put the printing so some chance of the stick other way and uh, coming some more blotches then we before we are uh, animal dung powders uh, spraying but uh, now that is not available then we spray sawdust so they are if, if they are touch so not coming support or blotches and then after dyeing in indigo again we are dyeing indigo two time one time dye it and dry it and then again dye and dry it and after wash so in new market uh, some people like this color also and that is fast one and then again dye it with alizarin so double red and double indigo and this one is a dyed with madderoot madderoot then uh, we also making uh, and uh, make 10 stages and uh, we printing some resist and making yellow dye the pomegranate and turmeric some are uh, making only in the red color some are making only henna color some are making the black colors here is printing resist if we want to keep white and here we spray pomegranate pomegranate uh, we boiling with water and then uh, take that water and spray so this uh, this is the making green color but uh, in market uh, making uh, the yellow color and white design also some uh, customer demand so before uh, this color we making two people catch the cloth and one people rub with the brush so resist is uh, remove something and coming lot of blotches but uh, in the our traditional customer uh, they are uh, wearing multicolor clothes so cannot see the blotches but uh, in the export market new market they not uh, like to the blotches then i make the new idea so flat to dry the pieces and spray so that is come clear one so he this is a pomegranate spray and dry it again spray and dry it and then spray turmeric with little lime so in the turmeric you putting little lime they are coming red color the paste but uh, cloth on the cloth the color coming reach yellow and this uh, is uh, put in dyeing in alum and then wash so whenever we print resist that keep white here and other area is coming yellow color and this is before blue color so coming uh, green color thanks ishmael and rasak um if we open it up for questions now aram karo <laughs> been listening to excerpts from Masters of the Art, the country block printers of Damadka and Ajrakpur. The lecture was recorded live at the Maywa Textile Symposium on October 19th, 2007. In part 2, we will present the question and answer section of the lecture. The countries speak about the block carving process, tradition, and the future of the art. For more information about Maywa podcasts or the Textile Symposium, please visit our website at www.maywa.com I'm Tim McLaughlin 
Thank you for listening.